Okay, cue jingle. Cue jingle. There it is. Oh, hey, Greg, is that you? It's me. I barely recognize you. You look fantastic. What is going on? What, did you get? On. Did you get that beard trimmed? What happened? I have not. You're, what you're noticing is the fact that I have the opposite of my beard trimmed is it's out of control. It's I, that's what it is. Yes, it's quite yes. pushy right now. That's right. Um, uh, we have had some excitement here uh, at the Palm Springs community here at Palermo. Um, oh, what happened? Uh, well, the power went out, oh. um, and uh, thankfully, it didn't go out during a time when it was going to be 110 degrees. Oh, wait. Yes, it did. It's going to be 110 degrees today, oh, and no. we had air conditioning. So uh, I was sitting here uh, in my house talking with a friend, and we were playing with the various Alexa devices that I have in the house. Um, mm-hmm. And we figured we made her mad because all of a sudden everything went off. Um, and I thought I didn't think she had <laughs> control. Uh, but no, it was uh, my house, and it was every other house in the community. And I walked down, and they said that they were futzing with uh, the electrical box, and they broke it. But oh no. It got us talking and thinking about yeah. ways that we cook, ways that we uh, get creative mm-hmm. when we don't have power or when you know when the the normal patterns are interrupted. The so, normal patterns are interrupted. Speaking of interruptions, hey everybody! If you're just joining for the first time, welcome to Tasty Chats. Yeah. I'm Jonathan, and this is my dear friend Greg, and together we are the Tasty Gents. Yes, um, we talk and about this food. Is our Palm Springs to Seattle discussion of food and food-related things, experiences, life choices. Yeah, yeah. Uh, life choices. Well, that's weighty, but let's go with it. Yes, that's much like me. We are, uh, <laughs> and me. Uh, right now, Jonathan's in lovely West Seattle, uh, in the state mm-hmm. of Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, Greg, am in Palm Springs, in uh, Southern California. And uh, just because it's important to say for prosperity, um, in Palm Springs, we are waiting for the arrival of, what was that you said? A hurricane. Oh, my gosh. Yes. There's a hurricane coming to Southern California. It mm-hmm. is on its way up the Baja Peninsula right now. And so I, being the responsible adult that I am, am getting in the car and getting out of here. Um, That's smart. And it may be the people here will lose power, again, with some creativity some need for creativity from them. But that's kind of what got us to today was uh, the power going out. Yeah. And, and and we were talking about, you know, what what have we done in the past when power has gone out? We both lived in places where um, it happens. As it turns yeah. as it turns out, power goes out. You lived in Florida. I'm sure you saw a storm or two. Or a few. Yeah. 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 Interestingly, I grew up in Florida. And uh, what's funny about the fact that there's a, a um, hurricane coming to Palm Springs, funny to say out loud, um, by the time it gets to us, it will no longer be a hurricane, is what they're forecasting. But in the 20 years I was in Miami, lots of scares, but not a single hurricane. Um, mm-hmm. However, two years after I left, Hurricane Andrew wiped out the, air, the area that I grew up in. Wow. So, yeah, uh, it, uh, but we certainly tropical storms. We lost power often enough to tropical storms um, throughout my entire time living there. So, yeah, that was weird. And you on Bainbridge Island. Yeah. So, so very few hurricanes, but um, <laughs> we would get, we would get snow. It wouldn't get a ton of snow because we're, we're so close to the, to the water, but we would get some, right. we get a lot of freezing temperatures and, and we would lose power almost every single year. And it was, it's a really rural area, or at least it was at the time. It's still pretty rural. And uh, we didn't have the services then that they do now. So while we lost, I, we, we lived there kind of recently over the past few years. 
Um, and we would lose power and it would come back on after a couple of hours. But as a kid, we could lose it for a week, sometimes two, right? We would lose power for, for quite some time. And um, we had wood stoves and that, that had inserts in it. So we had a flat top to cook off of and, and, uh, and, and that's how we, that's how we got by. You're a pioneer wife. I was, a, <laughs> that's child, right. that's, I was a pioneer, pioneer wife person. child. Yeah. <laughs> I was a pioneer. I was a pioneer child bride. That was me. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, but I would, you know, I would, I would do, even though, you know, that was the thing is it's just my mother and I, the two of us. And so I, I, she said, you know, she does the inside stuff. I do the outside stuff. And I thought, that's great. I love being outside until it's like super freezing. And now I'm doing my eighth run for wood, you know, and I'm wow. 10 or 11. Yeah. And did you chop wood throughout the summer to get to I make did. sure you had that, that stash of wood ready? We did. And so also, cause you know, we were on a budget. And so the, the, the cheapest way to get it is uh, not chopped. And so my mother would uh, order and have these uh, these trees brought out. And the, they had taken all of the branches off of them. So they, And they would just bring them in and drop two or three of these fairly hefty-sized trees. Um, and then my neighbor, who had a chainsaw, would come over. And understand this is 10 and 11-year-old Jonathan. And then so the chain, he would come over and he'd cut them into big rounds. We'd leave them there for uh, a few days to a week uh, just to let a lot of the sap dry up. And sure. um, and then I had a maul and I had a, a, an at, a, a big axe and uh, and we had a hatchet and I just went to town. And that was my summers. My summers were chopping five or six cords of wood, stacking it, letting it season, get ready for the winter. I have several comments because this is amazing. First of all, I am a little bit in awe of 11-year-old Jonathan right now. Um, <laughs> that's that's a lot. Uh, for our listeners, uh, Jonathan, yeah. what's the difference between an axe and a maul? Well, so for uh, um, an axe is uh, typically bladed on two sides. A maul is bladed on one. And it's not necessarily even very sharp on that on that end, but it is a splitting tool, right? And then the other side of it looks like um, like a sledgehammer, right? And then the pur purpose is, is that you put it into something thick, like one of these big rounds, and then you take a sledgehammer and you just pound the heck out of the other end of it until it splits through. Yes. Um, so that's what I thought. And I've had some, some similar experience, although for less dire reasons. Um, oh. In, uh, so you and I both have history in Boy Scouts. We, mm -hmm. we, might, we might do some of that today. Um, I uh, lived and worked at a camp um, some years ago. And, uh, and so, I, so we only had wood heat across the camp um, mm. and we, we were there year round. And so in the summer, um, we would also chop wood uh, and had to chop wood that we put up in preparation for the winter. And it was both for our, like my little cabin was up on a, on a side of a ridge. Um, and I needed wood for my barrel stove, a former 55 gallon drum that had been converted into a, into a wood stove. Oh yeah. Yeah. But then even in the, like the lodging space or the, the dining lodge and other, other spaces where we had kids, uh, kids that we had to take care of, um, were all heated with wood. So we were, hmm. we, we also chopped wood through the summer, but I did that for like one year. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, so I don't have the same level of cred <laughs> that, that 11 year old Jonathan gets for, um, that well, and to be fair, I did a lot of goofing around, you know, um, my, you know, at that age, I think, I think about half the time I was pretending that my axe was a lightsaber and I'm running about, you know, <laughs> the woods and I'm, 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 I'm hitting the side of the house and I'm just having a great time. But, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> it's what, whatever kids do. So, but, but no, but the wood got chopped and, you know, it was, uh, it was a good, it was a good thing for, for, I think today, if I had been raised, I think I probably would have been identified 
with something that requires medication. For, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you had them all in an axe and a hatchet. And and a, and a, and a fairly strict mother. So yes. and I, I had chores instead of medication. That was my choice. That was the choice. Um, but it worked out because now I uh, I like chopping wood. So there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that let's, this is kind of where we thought we might end up is, you know, how do you then get creative in what you're cooking? Maybe your mom did, or you yeah. did, or, or you have since then, when the power's out, when you don't have whatever you're, you're, you're used to having, um, what do you do? Well, there's no oven. So everything yeah. you know, there, there is. And so, um, it, 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 the stove is not there just for heat now. It's it's more purposeful, right? And it's more purposeful. And you just don't keep cranking logs in it. Um, you let the embers burn down to a certain amount. And then you start to, and then we, my, she would even it out. And then we have coals. And then she would wrap potatoes and put the things. And those would go in the coals. And then on top, she'd have the pots. And she would, she would do a Dutch oven on top of it, which is, you know, and, and put a bird inside of the yeah. stuff you know and cook it on top of this thing and it was incredible and you know and and i asked her i said how where'd you learn this stuff and she said my mother of course uh this this is my adoptive mother georgia and she and when i was adopted they were much older and and both right. my parents grew up during the great depression and she said mm -hmm. there were many times we did not have electricity in our houses and many times that we were living in houses that weren't ours so they'd have to you know they, they tried because it was the depression so families moved in with other families and sometimes they had wood burning stoves and sometimes they had uh gas or or electric stoves but more often than not it was it was a wood burning stove and and you would um and 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 the 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 women who would, primarily who were doing the cooking would then move like different parts of the stove were were of different heats based on where they had oh, moved right. the coals and that was important because some things cook at different rates than others and you want this yeah. to go slower you want this to be hotter and you would move the pots around uh, as uh, as needed it it is it is a style of cooking that we don't necessarily need to do as much today or it's, it's, you don't have to think about it as much you can turn mm -hmm. your you can have your four or five burners you can turn them to the different heats the different levels and just let things run of course but, uh, here it was it was this you know constant checking shifting this okay great this is starting to boil too much let's shift it over a quarter of a foot so it's yeah. not right directly over the hottest heat and all of that all of that came into play and to be honest i uh i i was in awe like I was in awe of like just the, and then we had a very small space. I'm talking about something that's, you know, uh, maybe four, four feet wide or th three and a half, maybe four feet wide and maybe uh, two feet deep. And so it's not, it, it is some space, but it's not what you think. And we didn't yeah. have a grill or a griddle outside or anything like that. So uh, we may do with this. And listeners, you cannot see what I can see right now, but I will tell you, I have evidence that Jonathan did in fact survive this. I can see him. He appears. <laughs> he appears to be alive and viable. So, what he's describing to me sounds like like I would not make it in that particular setup. But but he survived it. it, it I survived. I did well, and and you know I kind of thrived. Uh, nobody lost any weight. We all did very well. Yeah, yes. and there's always we've always lost power around Thanksgiving. I think, and and oh, so it was. Oh, oh no! So so we uh, many many a turkey has been has been, uh, or or we saved the turkey and she would do a chicken instead because it's just easier to yes. manage. Right. So, you know, lots lots of that stuff happened, and yeah, it was it was great. I did not have that experience, even though I did say that I chopped wood and I did. Um, uh, we never had to worry about trying to create food that way. I think the the closest I've gotten. I know you have some of these experiences as well. Is I did actually spend a lot of time backpacking, mm -hmm. 
And uh, especially, so I, I grew up in South Florida and I was in the Boy Scouts for a long time and did a little bit there. But really, once I got to North Carolina where I lived, I used to work at a camp and we took kids backpacking. And so um, my own backpacking hobby and then what I was doing at the time uh, as a profession, um, I've, I've cooked a lot of meals over very tiny stoves, occasionally over, um, over fires, but cooking over a fire is such a messy, messy way to, to be in the wilderness. Um, and so I, I still am a fan of one pot meals. And so mm. I got Midwestern roots. You know, I was born in Michigan. My family's from, from Michigan, from Michigan or the surrounding area. So casseroles, very much a part of my of the DNA of my family, and yeah. and a big fan of things that are all glooped together in a nine by thirteen baking dish. Well, on the trail, same thing. Like just basically everything goes in one pot. And so my favorite, one of my favorite, maybe my favorite, and certainly the most common backpacking meal that I would eat hmm. um, in a single pot. So craft macaroni and cheese, oh. obviously. Um, so boil the macaroni, dump in the cheese powder. Um, if I was very fancy or uh, on whatever trip I was on, I would have had uh, powdered milk because of mm -hmm. course you can't carry cold milk. Um, so throw in some powdered milk, um, no butter. Cause again, can't carry that with you. Um, sure. But uh, toss in um, some, uh, a, a can or some frozen, frozen, at least when you left peas, mm -hmm. green peas uh, and a can of tuna fish. Oh, so tuna mac and cheese, um, absolutely just it's comfort food because you know it it, it and it's the it's the sort of the DNA of casseroles that I talked about a minute ago and yeah it's after a day of backpacking all day and maybe being rained on yeah. and just getting this sort of warm cheesy tuna e <laughs> little pops of the peas little sweet little bits of peas oh that come up God. around that one of the best meals that I can imagine and one of the strongest comfort food meals that I, that I can think of. And in all cases made on my little tiny whisper light stove that I backpacked with for years and years and years. Yeah. So. Oh, that sounds great. I love, I, yeah. And I love how, and, and I, I, I remember, so and we would do our comfort um, food was um, spam and eggs in the morning we would do this kind of comforting oh, right um, yeah. very nice you know hearty breakfast lots of salts because you've been you know hiking and sweating and all that stuff yes and and here's the thing is it's delicious and it's great and you're like wow ah, so good and then i and then i'm home and i'm like oh you know what maybe that camp breakfast we have with the spam and the, the eggs and stuff and you make the spam and the eggs you're like meh <laughs> yes it's not you it's only good in the woods Right. It's only good. It's only good when you when you just crawl out of a yep. tent and your feet are, you know, in weird socks. Yep. And yes, that's when it matters. That's when it's good. You have you to be smell in like the, campfire smoke. You smell like. Yeah, that's right. Everyone smells like smoke and everybody's got. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there's all of that. All of that matters because you're you're bringing some some very comforting goodiness to a fairly rough place. And it's and then it tastes even better. So I completely agree. And it's a great point. It's, it's another version of context matters, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if I would, I wonder if you were to, you know, fire up your grill in your backyard in Palm Springs or in Seattle mm -hmm. and put a Dutch oven on top of the griddle mm -hmm. and 
cook a chicken in the Dutch oven, it wouldn't have the same impact as the chicken on top of the wood stove in the Dutch oven on Bainbridge Island when you, when you were growing up. Would it? Ab absolutely not. Yeah, you, you're totally true. You're totally right with that. And I and 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 mostly because when I think of those meals, the other things that I think about are that um, there's the crackle of the wood in the fireplace. Yes. There's the smell of the smoke and the thing. I've I've just gone out. There's a little bit of you know cold still on my face from having gone out to get another thing. Um, I'm washing my hands, but there's sap still. You know that stick. You always get it a little bit on your fingers, and you just kind of you can't quite get it off. You know what I mean? And you're like you you almost have to get like a bristle like a Brillo pad to get off the and 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 that's part of it. You know, you smell that sap. You have this chicken cooking. You got the stuff. There's a there's a sense of I've earned this like this this is this is something that isn't just like oh look we have all the convenience in the world because you know cool yeah. country we live in great society no it's like oh for mm, i was out there <laughs> i did yeah you can't see me doing this but i'm like i'm about to beat my chest like a gorilla like True. i'm just it's very impressive yeah. listeners. I, i'll tell you right now. yeah it's really <laughs> very gorilla like um and, but it is and and i think that you or i had this this sense of kind of like when you when you've had a very very active physical day and you lay down in bed and it, and and i think i said this yeah. in a previous thing like it like it's so much better than if you've just laid around all day like if you've been out and you've just done a ton of stuff you get in bed you're like yeah i heard this this is good <laughs> it's true yeah well and similar i uh i have in in past years tried to well made like on a stove tuna mac and cheese craft macaroni and cheese can mm -hmm, of tuna, mm -hmm. can of cheese and and sure the flavor profile is exactly the same there's yeah. no there's no additional flavor or missing flavor, but it is not the same experience um, as those. Now, harkening back to because you are Senor Bougie Tuna, um, which tuna did you use on this mm. camping? That's a good question. These were this was well in the before the days of my Bougie Tuna uh, mm. experience. And so um, I didn't begin ordering Bougie pretentious tuna online and having it delivered to my front door uh, until probably the last five years. So this was probably bumblebee or chicken of the sea. And it yeah. wasn't even the chunk white tuna. I'm sure it was chunk light. So it was yeah. basically a can of gray colored tuna that got stirred into the mac and cheese. Leftover, whatever. Yeah. Actually, no, now that you say that, uh, more recently, um, because this is a re relatively recent change, they started putting tuna in uh, pouches like um oh yeah i've seen that yeah i don't know what kind of a, kind of a plastic foil pouch um yeah. always better for backpacking um to have the pouches so i think more sure. recently i use those so yeah for the weight and everything else and then and then also you know and, and this is the thing this is not about well this is about food is when i i got keen to the idea when i was a when i was a scout that i would volunteer to carry all the food oh the first day sucks yes but i'll tell you oh Day three of a five day, you're doing a 90 mile, 100 mile hike or whatever. You're into day three. I now have my, my, my pack is lighter than everybody else's. By the by the last day, I'm skipping down the trail. Everybody else is beat tired. They're all carrying the same weight the whole time. And my pack weighs almost nothing. It was great. This is very smart. I like how you did that. Yeah. Um, the other cool thing I will say, and so I had some very good friends. Uh, we used to go uh, car camping on uh, on San Juan Island. And so mm. several years in a row, we would we would rent kayaks and put them up on top of the cars and drive into this the San Juan Island County Park yes. um, side of the island 
um, where we would see orcas go by. We would, we, on a couple of occasions, were out on the in the kayaks when the orcas came by. Um, and so I had some great experiences there. And so, um, but we had coolers and, and yeah. large stoves rather than backpacking stoves. And we used to make these, um, these omelets. I'm using air quotes. Listener, you can't see me doing that. Yeah. But get a Ziploc bag. And as I think about it, we probably like consumed all kinds of dangerous plastic. We didn't care. So <laughs> crack a couple of eggs into a Ziploc bag, toss in some cheese, some peppers if you've got them, onion, a little bit of hot sauce, salt and pepper, and then kind of you know seal the bag and squish it, squish, 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 yeah, squish, yeah, squish yeah, yeah. Um, to kind of mix it all up. And then float the bag in boiling water and then put your oh, name yeah. on, the, on the edge of it. Float the bag in boiling water and uh, and it just bubbles there in the boiling water. And then when you're done, you sort of slip it out of the um, out of the Ziploc bag. And it's sort of, it's kind of omelet shaped because yeah. it's in the bottom of the bag, but they were amazing. And we discovered, of course, later that uh, it's not as good when you make them at home that way. Yeah. Something about being out of doors with a cup of coffee that just, even though it was, you know, we carried it all in the car. We have coolers. We have a big stove on a big table. Something yeah. still about standing outside in the cool air, um, you know, eating your your Ziploc omelet um, had its own special context. It does. And you 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 were like an early sous vide pioneer. Oh, my gosh. You're right. Yeah. That was a sous vide application. I don't think I even realized that. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's cool. You know, and we would do... Oh my gosh, the stuff. And and sometimes you would get really lazy and you you just take a bunch of top ramen because it's light already. And you're like, yeah. I just add water, easy, right? But it's you're you're two days into a you know three or four day hike. You're like, oh, I cannot eat more salt. Yes. I can't have any more of that. So um, you know, uh we used to like to mix it up. We used to have these um you know, a lot of the pre-made ones, right? Like you've all seen where you just kind of open the bag and pour the hot water in and seal it up and wait five minutes or whatever when it comes out. Um, and then and then hope that you've mixed it well because you inevitably get to that one part where it's still not hydrated and you get a big bite of the dehydrated mush yes. peas and whatever. You're like, oh, <laughs> Lord, you, you put a little water in your mouth and swish your mouth back and forth. Like, now it's hydrated, you know. <laughs> so fix that one on the spot. Um, yes, we, we did a lot of stuff like that. But uh you know, for, for emergency things, you know, power goes out, needed to needed to cook outside. Um, yeah, mostly on the stove. And and uh, and these days, you know, I'll be honest, like if we if we lost power for a significant amount of time, you know, living where I live and you have a, a grill down in Palm Springs. But right. Like we don't we don't even have a grill. We don't have a charcoal grill up here in, in Washington. Oh, really? I think I'd be. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd be in trouble. I'd be in trouble. I'd, uh, I'd be eating a lot of uh, raw top ramen. I got a grill here in Palm Springs, but I don't really yet. I'm, and as you know, and listeners, if you've listened to some of our earlier episodes, my um, home was under, uh, my kitchen was being remodeled. So I didn't have a kitchen for a long time, but I didn't never really got the, the daily rhythm of using the grill to make food, mostly because it was really hot here yeah. and it wasn't very nice to be outside and I had no prep space. So like, mm. you know, like making bacon and eggs, you you kind of want to have a bowl and a fork, you know, that you can scramble the egg in and that. Um, but uh, yeah, the grill normally would be the place where that would be done with that yeah. sort of, you know, and, and as you say, you at using a Dutch oven and it's like having an oven um, or I did actually do a few sort of skillet meals on the grill while I was waiting for that to come back. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, so, so when when uh, when we moved back to to the island and, and we were adults, and I was married to Andrea, and we had we had Bjorn with us, um, and he was little, 
uh, we still lost power, but it was only for like a day. We lose it for a day. Now, now, yeah. now they're down to like a day or two, and uh, and and it was fine. But we had a we had a grill, and I would do sheet pan breakfasts, you Ooh. know, on the grill. And I'd put yeah. the ba- I'd put the bacon, it got crispy. Then you'd have all the bacon grease, and you just yes. kind of make sure the sheet pan has all of it. You put the eggs nice. in that, cooks in that, and um, the little scrambled eggs and bacon and all the good stuff. There's something about those events too, that sheet pan breakfast, the power goes out that end up becoming their own, you know, as a, as a parent, I think maybe, maybe this is true. I'm not a parent, mm-hmm. but you know, there's, there's some stress around having to uh, work creatively in that way, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a memory. I mean, even now you're remembering mm-hmm. the power out experiences that your mom probably really hated. Um, and <laughs> by, but but it, it stuck with you because it was important time together. And it what it makes me think is, as you described the pan, the sheet pan breakfast. So you sort of rethought the day or rethought the morning, and it becomes yeah. something to do together. And it's suddenly that you know rather than the very fast grab a bite, get out of the door to, onto our lives, it's the family being together in a way that creates a memory. And so yeah. I think there's ways in which this not having power or having to get creative um, maybe maybe is an important time for a lot of families or a lot of people who have to find their way to get creative. I don't know. I sort yeah. of made that up. What do you think? No, I like that. And and just kind of working off of that, I think that I think it ties back into the difference between food as something that that sustains us, which is required. We, you know, food yes. goes in, bodies move. But also that food is how we we is our most effective way, I think, of building community. And and we're we're building those kind of communal memories with family and with friends. And you know, and, and if you want to if you want to learn how to accept, you know, like I said, you want to learn to 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 appreciate uh, another culture, go eat their food. And you know, before you learn anything else about this culture or any other, you know, p- political or religious history, yeah. whatever, you know, have a falafel, you know, get out there, have a thing, and and see and 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 taste what, what it's like to 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 jump into their thing. And I think that 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 helps uh it, like in the family too so you know we were making the sheet pan stuff and i get bjorn up and he's you know 10 or 11 and we're you know and it's snowing and we're in our galoshes you know in our pajamas and we're just making stuff yeah, out of the, the grill making breakfast yeah yeah and uh and you can see your breath and and it's yeah it's just cool memories those are cool memories i like that mm, yeah. there's something about that something about that um having to get creative uh, that becomes an important connection point. I think you're something there about the way uh, food connects, connects us culturally. Yeah. We should, we should talk more about that. We should talk uh, more about that. All right. Um, we're kind of getting to the end of today. Already. Um, believe it or not, we have yet occupied another 30 minute block of time <laughs> talking about ourselves and our I food. Know. I know, and our li- this is this is time our listeners will never get back to their lives. So exactly, sorry. Exactly. Yes. That's another. Um, however, if you have a food related, if you have a hey, I survived this emergency, and here's how I did it. I had to, yeah. you know, eat an acorn. I don't know, whatever. I'm making stuff up, but like do something extraordinary. You know, or you cook, or you just like to cook over campfires. Maybe you like to do that. Uh, let us know. Uh, we have a, a a fun, active Facebook page. So look for Tasty Gents on Facebook, or you can email us at tastygents at gmail.com, or just show up at Greg's house for a cup of coffee. Tell them all about it. Coffee for everyone. And the other thing I'll say is that we are going to start, we think, we're, I mean, 
the uh, the Tasty Gents Towers executives are in debate about this right mm -hmm. now. But we think yeah. they're going to come down on the side of occasional unique um, content available on the Facebook group that is not available anywhere else. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, Jonathan has done a little bit of um, on the street interviewing that he may be introducing to uh, to the Facebook post. Um, obviously, we're, we're trying out different recipes um, that you get to see examples of. So Facebook is also a great place to be in addition to listening to us here. So come yep. and join the conversation. We'd love to hear yep. from you. And you'll see those posts under the Tasty Gents Street Beat. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe not. Um, Greg, great, great talking with you, my friend. But then it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much today. All right. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye everyone. You've been listening to Tasty Gents a geeky Palm Springs to Seattle podcast. Okay, cue jingle. Cue jingle. There it is.